Welcome to Simple Evolution, the show where we try to evolve through honest conversation. Each week, we break down thought-provoking news and interesting findings from science and the humanities. Making sense of our dynamic world requires meaningful conversations. Our aim with this podcast is to further understand the world and our place in it. Wear a hard hat, but keep an open mind. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back again to Simple Evolution. So we've made it to our 10th episode and we thought it would be fun for this episode to just kind of give everyone a background on who we are, what we're currently doing and what we hope to be in the future and kind of what drove us to make uh, this podcast. So I'll start with how we met. Do you remember how we met? I vaguely do. I'm not sure we could have differing stories here. I would like to say that we technically met at West Point grade gym. West Point grade gym. The one down by the beach. But I, okay, how about this? Let me rewind. I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he he, he was this guy that was super jacked for for a high school year. And I'm just in there trying to work out. And I always see this one kid. I know he plays basketball at the high school beside mine. And I always used to work out with my dad. And I think that's where I first recognized you. Um, and I yeah. heard your name around because you went to the high school beside mine. You went to Bing and I went to West Point Grey. Uh, not West Point Grey Academy. That was in um, elementary school. But I went to Point Grey. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, but I guess that one's tough because I would say there was a lot of times where we were technically in the same vicinity, but I don't think we were really interacting that much because at that point, if you go back to high school maturity, you kind of went to a rival school. Absolutely. If I didn't immediately know you through my friend group or vice versa, we probably wouldn't interact just given the kind of the enemy narrative. But I, I think going to the same university helped because I think in first year we definitely started to, I think converse more and then our friend groups pretty much aligned through university so yeah absolutely yeah it's it's, it's just kind of cool like so a lot of vancouver kids like we're both from uh went to uvic and you didn't know them in the other high schools um but as soon as you're all in the same university environment you meet like-minded people that you wouldn't have otherwise from other high schools so that was super cool and i mean we were considering studying completely different things um like i was studying uh, political science and psychology and you were studying more sciences but we still yeah. managed to, through mutual friends, find each other and blossom this beautiful friendship together. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of social groups right there is I, I see undergrad really as a time where you're trying to explore your curiosities. I think a lot of people don't have any clue what they actually want to do. But in terms of the socialization aspect, it's so fun. Yeah, it's so much Because fun. you should be, the goal should be meet as many interesting people as you can because the major itself doesn't matter. Like, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just, you know, who you want to hang out with, how, how do things go, make experiences, and then you'll just cherish that the rest of your life. Yeah. Networking was huge. I, I met so many cool uh, people in those, in those four and a half years of, of bachelor school. And it's, it's sad that, you know, people go back to their hometowns and we don't see them as much, but, uh, but yeah. And yeah. then uh, okay, well, we'll we'll move on to our our, our post uh, post uh, what was it anyway graduate school. We'll move on to graduate school. So I am going to the University of Salzburg 
in or Universitat Salzburg in Austria, and you are going to the University of British Columbia. Can you tell us how that happened? Why did you decide to go to UVic and then UBC? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Um, if we rewind the clock to my 18-year-old brain making hard, complex decisions, <laughs> what ended up happening Very is... sound decisions. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Very rational, spends 30 minutes debating what could be you know, a future decision for four or five years. So anyway, we the decision was made. I don't regret it. What ended up happening is I was conflicted with a few things. So one was I was previously just an American citizen. And if I had stayed in Canada for two more years following high school graduation, I would gain my citizenship, which I, I really wanted. So part of the attraction for my undergrad was to stay within Canada. I toured East Coast schools. So I went to McGill and then I also went to Queens. I actually loved both schools. Um, if I had to take my pick, I'd actually have gone to Queens. But I'm not a cold weather person. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm from California, West Coast, best coast, in my opinion. I know that's subjective, but um, it's I think it's very tough to imagine going through the winters there for me. So I decided to stay in BC. And part of the rule in my household, which I actually do like, is the kids have to get away from wherever they went to high school. So it's more of a forced independence, which I think is really valuable for someone starting their journey at 18, 19 years old. I think it's really important or 17, 18 years old. So my decisions quickly narrowed down to, I want to stay in a pretty temperate climate. So that basically just gave me BC in terms of Canada. And I couldn't go to UBC. Um, SFU was technically on the table, but UBC wasn't because it was in my backyard. So for undergrad, I kind of followed the socialization aspect and I already had a, a large group of friends that were heading over to the island. And so that's how I kind of made my decision for undergrad. But I would say it's always been a dream to go to UBC. So that's why as grad school, being a grad student at UBC, I think it's it's amazing because I don't, I didn't mind the city of Victoria. I think it's a beautiful city. There's a lot to do, but it's really tough to beat Vancouver. Um, it's, it's a beautiful, yeah. But for you, I mean, you, I think you have a more interesting trajectory in terms of just being able to immerse yourself in so many more yeah. cultures and languages. Yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, no, we'll fuck it. We'll get, to, we'll get to that. But I just, <laughs> I just want to go off on, on UVic, really, because yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot. Because I'm still in university, and I, I think about the differences between Austria and or um, Salzburg and UVic a lot. And I agree with the other point that that the rule in your house is go to a new place when you go to university. And I think UVic was ideal for that. Like you were independent, but you're still a ferry ride away from home. Um, you're still in BC. You're still in Canada, but you are dealing with the, the intricacies of just being away from your family. Um, the other thing I'd like to mention is when, uh, when I go on breaks um, back in Vancouver while studying in Victoria, and I just like I'd sometimes study in the University of B uh, British Columbia's uh, library and just walk around the campus. I'm jealous of your campus. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. And I think that my campus is cool because it's, like, you know, built in the in medieval times. And this is, well, not the campus, really, but the city around it. And that's cool. But I do miss sometimes that big centralized uh, North American money that goes into um, institutions back home. Yeah, and UBC looks out just in terms of the natural beauty, oh right? God, like yeah. you're on you're on a peninsula. You have ocean. You have mountains. I mean, I to be honest, I work on the sixth floor of our buildings where the research labs are. And if I go to heat up my lunch in the microwave 
on the sixth floor, like common room, all I'm staring at is the ocean and then mountains and then islands. And it looks like it's just a wallpaper that's just put up on the glass. I mean, it's, it's really tough to believe, but Europe, and I obviously haven't studied in Europe, but I, the history element for me, I would find fascinating because there's just centuries more of history in Europe and also just so many integration of languages, yeah. right? Like at UBC, there's for sure a very international community, but you're not as exposed in terms of you can just get away with English and not have to think yeah. twice about it. Whereas you in Austria, I mean, there's so many other countries that you could go to. You have people speaking German, French, Italian, English, mm. Spanish. Like it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Can you, do you think you've been more motivated to learn I guess more languages over there in terms of just being able to absolutely resonate with people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, my here's the thing. I'll I'll cut, I'll get into that and I'll just talk a, a second about why I chose the University of Salzburg. Um, so I think it was kind of three or four reasons. Basically, I wanted to do a master's degree, but I didn't want to do it. Um, I also wanted to travel. So doing this master's degree, I could travel. I could get it at a cheaper price. Um, I could spend time with my German family who's just over the border from where I'm studying in Austria. Um, and I get a master's degree in political science in English, which is, you know, they're, they're, those programs are out there, but they're not uh, in every major city in, in Europe. Um, and I wouldn't even call Salzburg a major city. So it worked out in a lot of different ways. And the language thing, for sure, like I've definitely been pushed. It's more of a secondary thing, if I'm completely honest, because I have to focus on on well right now my thesis but my overall degree but yeah speaking with my family i've gotten to the point where i can speak um with locals and in, in different interactions well enough and and get by i can't talk about anything com really complex in german but um yeah it's definitely fun to know a second language and to feel more a part of the culture that you're that you're in and I'll, yeah. I'll just talk about a little bit of some of the differences between um, University of Salzburg and um, uh, UBC is one is the money element. UBC, I don't even know how much you're paying. I won't ask, but it's thousands and thousands of dollars here for an international student. I think it's I'll put it in Canadian. It's maybe like two thousand five hundred a year here, Canadian. Um, and that's for an international student. And a regular student is 20 euros a semester. So like 40 euros a year or something like that, which is crazy. And in terms of the actual education, I wouldn't say it's much different. It's maybe a cut below North American schools uh, in terms of the actual education of the professors, um, which isn't that bad. But when you look at the actual brick and mortar of the school, the classrooms, all the amenities, it's zilch like compared to back home. Like they don't spend, you know, money they don't have on that kind of stuff. They kind of pour everything into the education element. Uh, so these are kind of the trade-offs that I have. Also, the Salzburg uh, campus is really decentralized. There's buildings everywhere and residences everywhere, as opposed to that one kind of conglomerate that you have back home. But it's something I'm missing, to be honest with you. Totally. What's funny is I, I look at this as kind of a, a change in perspective in the sense that I, I agree Canadian schools would be more expensive than European schools. But from where I'm from in California, oh, it's just on another level, right? <laughs> because another level. For, for me, I think I'm, I'm getting a bargain in Canadian schools because yeah. I also look at the exchange rate between USD and Canadian. And that's what I think is funny because my sister went to a great school, a great sports school as well, the University of Oregon. 
Go Ducks and or Beavers, right? Go Ducks, baby. No, oh, Beavers are moving on in, no. the, in the bracket, man. <laughs> no, it's it's Go Ducks, baby. Sweet 16, Go Ducks. Uh, but what's kind of funny there is I, if citizenship wasn't on my mind to just have the option to come back to Canada whenever I wanted, a part of me really wanted to go to UW in Seattle yeah, because sure. I thought... I thought it's an amazing school, really beautiful. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen, like they built a football stadium right on the water. It just, mm-hmm. Seattle seems like a cool city to be at that undergrad stage. Yeah. Plus it'd be so close to Vancouver, but it would have been fun to be rivals with my sister. And watch uh, going watch Markel Fultz ball out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. One year and then anyway, that's, that's, a separate, that's a story for another day. But I, I think it's so cool that Europe values, or the this, the system they have in place in terms of trying to have education available to the masses. What I would say though, from the North American perspective is outside of getting the actual title. So to put skin in the game, financial skin in the game to actually get a degree of some sort, we have the leverage through the internet. So, I mean, if you do want to learn something, you have the ability to, it's not just that institutions have a specific set of information that if you pay the money, then you have access to. So we can do it, but let's go. I actually want to do one quick thing back to undergrad, sure. which would be if you were to have two versions of yourself, oh, yeah. the first year Elliot and the fourth year Elliot, what do you think would be a few key things that change? Oh, that okay. I did not, I did not think that's where you're going. I thought, what would I do if I do it all again? But like, what did I change between first year and fourth year? Or what were some profound realizations oh, wow. you came to? I'd... So through your undergrad experience, what what were some of the the main takeaways? Um, be kinder to people. I think uh, I was a cocky little shit. Emphasis on the little, um, and I had you know I thought I could you know seize every opportunity, which is what I like about myself. Be spontaneous, be loud and outgoing. But at that age, I was probably too much so. Um, maybe hurt people's feelings, shouldn't have done that. And then in the first and, and second year, I don't think I concentrated on school enough. I mean, in third and fourth year, I, I buckled down and, and you know, I wanted to pursue higher education. But that first and second year, I, I don't think I put enough effort in. I could have retained more knowledge and maybe, you know, explored some different electives that would have been cool. Like I just kind of stayed the course for my psychology degree and then switched to political science. So there wasn't a lot of leeway with, um, with electives, but what about you? Yeah. What would change about you? I don't need to hear your comments say... on mine. Cause I, <laughs> oh, really? yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, no, that's good. I would say my biggest one is the cost of inaction is always greater than the cost of doing something, but failing. Yeah. That's so good. to, basically traumatize yourself and live in fear about certain decisions and ever have regrets about not doing something or, you know, like you, you can't change the past, but I think the quickest thing that became becomes ingrained in oneself is if you want to do something, just try it. Um, because you know, like it's always better just to go out there and see what happens. So that would be one of the takeaways that I still remember from uni. I actually want to use your question now, which is if you, let's say you can just rewind the clock, you're 18 years old now entering university in September, 2021. What do you take? Do you change anything up? Yeah. So I I love my life right now and I wouldn't change it for the world, but if I had a second life, uh, I'll tell you what I'd do. And it, 
and um, telling you that informs what I'm doing right now. So I went into political science um, because I always wanted to help animals in the environment. And originally I thought that would manifest itself in some kind of biology degree, become a biologist, uh, work with animals one-on-one -on -one and, and closely. But when I started uh, some biology classes early in my first year and second year at UVic, I realized that was more about finding out out about like the little intricacies in the cells and like, um, you know, uh, real physical biology and, and not stuff like, I'm sure there is conservation science, but there's not conservation science policy wise. So I thought the political sphere is actually how real change and real animals in the environment gets protected and not so much studying it. I don't really care if, uh, about the seals mitochondria, I give a shit that the seal stays on the planet. So this is but how it's the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, this is why I chose that. Um, but yeah, so that's why I went into political science. I'm still hoping to to do that and uh, make a change that way. But if I could go back, I think I would really pursue biology and just try and spend my life working with with animals up close and and working in their environments and spending a lot of time outside that way. Because I have no idea how much time I'm gonna spend in in those ecosystems and those environments with this degree but that's what i would do if i could go back what about yourself so this might shock some people that know me so my my background is i bounced around a bit i was enrolled i think i applied to all universities strictly as biological sciences which is still pretty broad i moved into biochemistry and then i ended up graduating with a chemistry degree if I could be my 18 year old self now and enter university, I would actually double major in comp sci and philosophy. So yeah, this comes as a shock, comp sci and philosophy. I still love biology. I love the biological sciences. I think there's a lot of fascinating stuff that's gonna happen in the biotech revolution of the 21st century. But I just think there's a beautiful thing in the ability to be leveraged through software. So I really never had the chance. I mean, to be fair, I can always learn it online. Um, but my reading has allowed me to kind of fall in love with philosophy. So I just thought about combining the two and I think that'd be interesting. Um, but anyway, so now we can go to the future outlook following our graduate studies. Do you first see yourself wanting to stay in Europe? Is that an option you'd consider? Or do you want to come back to North America? Literally every question I've been getting asked from everyone on both, <laughs> yeah, where you on going, both sides where you of the going, pond. Huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> so here was my plan. My plan was I wanted to live in one more country before I come home um, to the West Coast to BC because the West Coast of British Columbia is where I want to raise my kids. Like absolutely 100%. But my plan was to go to Australia for a year or two years after and try and get a, a job there in, um, in some kind of political or environmental field. But because of this crazy pandemic, uh, it looks like that's going to be very hard to do. Um, so my plan is probably wrapping up my thesis um, by the end of hopefully June and then come back to Canada for a month, two months and just start looking for jobs and looking for jobs anywhere. I'm going to put my preference of what I want to do above my location. So if I find a job I really like in fucking Kabul, then I'm going to go do it um, because I really want to explore and really live in one more country um, before I eventually move home and really settle down because I got addicted to, to seeing new things almost every day when you move somewhere else. 
like you must remember when you moved to Canada, there was, there's new stuff every day, like especially in Europe with everything so packed together. There's so many opportunities to go find little things and, and cool places and cool cities if you haven't been there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my outlook uh, for where I want to go. But in terms of jobs, I'm writing my thesis right now on um, how, NG how environmental NGOs choose their, their um, project sites. Um, so I'm hoping this thesis will, will give me some really good relevant information on how to, not how to work with NGOs, but how NGOs function. And then hopefully I get a job in an environmental NGO afterwards. That would be, that would be the dream. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I want to go back because you've made such a important point, which is you don't chase the specific location. You chase the job. Absolutely. Right? Like you're either the dream location or the dream job. I think later in life, it makes sense to try to pursue the dream location, especially if you're at the stage where you're trying to raise a family. Mm -hmm. But for us now, following graduation, I mean, it'd be so grateful just to get a job, a, a career that we really find interesting. Yeah, I think one big thing I always hear is, especially from people in Vancouver, because we agree Vancouver is one of my, I think the best city on the planet. Yeah. Like it's when so I show people Vancouver, like they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of Vancouver. But when I show them pictures here, they're like, oh shit. Like that's very cool. Anyway, I hear a lot of people in Vancouver say, ah, I can't find a job in, in what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, because you're in Vancouver. Um, what you should do is go find your job, work in wherever that job is, and then once you have enough relevant experience, then you can come back and find a job more easily. So absolutely, I totally agree with you. Exactly. It's you got to put in the time first. It's yeah. kind of like put in your time, earn your stripes, and then maybe once you have the experience or the credentials, maybe some job opportunities will open up in the city that you want. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, Vancouver, look, I'm going to be very sad when I decide to leave Vancouver. Hmm. I will always come back because it's I mean Vancouver is my second home I think later in life who knows maybe I, I will actually end up doing something similar to you trying to kind of be permanently based in Vancouver and raise a family here I, there's nothing wrong with this city it's I guess if I have it correct it's the third most livable and I think the only reason it's down at three is just because it's so expensive yeah. to live here but I mean it, you basically have everything you would want from the nature perspective to really kind, friendly citizens yeah. to, um, yeah. So anyway, a lot of, a lot of positives here for me, I would actually love, I mean, I'm thinking of doing more time in the U S following graduation, because I just think there's a lot more job opportunities for, for sure. me in, in, in the field I'm pursuing, but I completely agree with you. I did my study abroad in Australia and, I pretty much fell in love with Australia. I think it's such a such a fun country. I could see myself there for a few years. I don't think I would necessarily at this stage want to like lock that in as the place where I'd like to raise a family. But mm -hmm. I do think in your 20s or just depending on when it seems right to settle down and, and kind of uh, spring your roots and have a family you should explore as many places or at least one place outside of your comfort zone or one place outside of your traditional home for 20 plus years. So yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you there. I mean, I gotta in say it's, it's, it's fucking hard at the beginning. Uh, like oh, it's not, totally. it's not, it's not fun and games. Um, but once you create a, like connections, which is easy to do here in school and, and if you put yourself out there, um, 
I think I don't think there's anything that can beat it. Like the feeling of mastering a completely different environment, um, and just everything is new. You know, all this new stimulus. It's yeah. Yeah. Where would you go well, if you could? So would Australia be your bet if you could live somewhere else? Australia is up there just because I already have a friend group that's there. So Absolutely. it, it okay. works in a situation where there's still so many new people to meet, but I have enough of a foundation where it makes sense where I could integrate quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be worried about, you know, do I, do I resonate with all these people? But to be fair, I think just going out to some country that you don't know anyone is also a great opportunity because you're very outside of your comfort zone. I mean, more people are more open to socializing just with anyone, but I, I think that would be a great opportunity. Europe still seems fascinating to me. So whether I approach the situation more from a travel lens or from an actual stay there for a year or two. I think that's, that's on the table for sure. Yeah. I mean, you just have to pick your, pick your country. Um, and it's, it's crazy. Like there's, I, I was shocked at how many international people there really are. Like it seems like everyone, every second person you meet is, is like a foreign worker, but foreign in terms of another EU state. Um, and just traveling, you know, I live in Salzburg, which is the headquarters of Red Bull. Um, so there's plenty of internationals working at Red Bull from all over the world. And uh, the same goes for, you know, Nike in Belgium and, and any of this stuff. Yeah. Is it a Carpe, Carpe Diem or Dieppe? Isn't there a restaurant in Salzburg? There may be. I, I don't, I don't oh. go out to eat and I certainly don't go out to okay, eat good. now. <laughs> like... Yeah. I, I forget the Red Bull founder's name, but I, I, cause I've been to Salzburg just briefly yeah, traveling yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2019 and I remember he had some very fancy restaurant, but anyway, this is kind of a, a tangent, <laughs> a tangent yeah. from where we're going. Uh, I want to go back real quick. Your idea of exploring new countries, new opportunities, craving novelty. Maybe it's just me, but I, I, I'd like to say it's both of us. I think that's the beauty of this podcast too, is each episode is so, so new mm-hmm. in terms of we can change the topic. We have leverage over deciding what we actually want to converse about. Yeah. And then in terms of just people, it seems like everyone has a story, mm-hmm. which is so cool because you can learn some something new from pretty much everyone you meet. Yeah, and I, I'm realizing now that we haven't actually covered your thesis because we're both in grad school and and you know, you're know you pursuing a massive project as well. So what are you, what are you up to? Yeah, so um, you know, this is confidential talk. To- no, I'm joking. <laughs> this, can be, this can be public information uh, to an extent. So my project basically focuses on cancer biology. So I'm, I'm very interested with how cancer arises and specifically the disease model I look at is prostate cancer. So my project has a few aims, but generally speaking, my main focus is an enzyme. So for those that don't know, it's basically just a, a little protein machinery that is capable of converting, say, certain substrates into different products. And my whole project kind of revolves around the recycling of testosterone and another androgen molecule called dihydrotestosterone, but that that's as far as I'll go technically. So basically my, my project's on prostate cancer <laughs> and I am also like you hoping to graduate. I think I will be a few months delayed from you because I, I still have experiments and data I need to get. Yeah. So I would like to graduate sometime in late summer, early fall would be ideal. Um, but if not, at least sometime in 2021 would be great. Yeah, that would be super so. Cool. That's yeah. So that's what's that. what's your impact you want to have? You want to cure prostate cancer? 
Well, so prostate cancer, I mean, the field's actually done quite well in the sense that a common saying is people die with prostate cancer now. They don't die from it. So we still have a lot of hurdles to overcome. Metastatic prostate cancer does not have a high survival rate, so it's, it's, it's a very big issue. Plus, prostate cancer is the most prevalent cancer in, in men. Um, so most of us will get it. Um, and so that's, that's just life. Obviously, we're, we're living longer. Brandon, you, be, you better figure this out, man. <laughs> yeah, <I> better, yeah. <laughs> Give me a paper and a pen. I need to, yeah. Um, but no, so in terms of impact, I'm still fascinated by a few things. So I, I, I think you feel the same way. I don't really like to put myself just in one box. I think science is really interesting, but I think there's, there's more in terms of how can you leverage knowledge you have in science and apply it to something else. So at least where I stand today, I would like to first work in biotech, more on the science side, and then slowly start to phase into more of the business side and, and management side of, of maybe small biotech companies or anything kind of in that space. Yeah. I think that'd be really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm very team driven. So yeah. that's what I've kind of realized from my project is I like it, but it's very individual mm-hmm. and which is fine. I mean, it's, it's really interesting research, but following this i would love to have that team dynamic yeah that's really fucking cool man like i don't know anyone else who's who's quite even close to what you're what you're doing um and that's well, why evan's got a different journey yeah no i know but i mean i i know a lot of people that are a certain you know um type of person and pursue a certain type of job like tons of people are in business or tons of people are in engineering and and what you're doing is is maybe maybe more common than I think, but I don't uh, I don't know a lot of them, and I think that's what, from our perspective, gives this podcast uh, makes it special for me. Is we have both of us who are in completely different things, but we share a love for political science, biology, psychology. Yeah, and that's what I think is so interesting. Is I would say I started from the realm of just kind of strict science, and I have slowly engaged more and more into your realm. Like I. I now have a love for political science. I have a love for history. Mm. I have a love for kind of like figuring out different governmental organizations and how they will be in five, 10 years. And I don't know, like it's, I think it's fascinating just to have a curiosity towards more topics than you initially thought, Mm -hmm. right? Like university does a good job of giving you all the opportunity to socialize and to learn interesting things but you should not be trapped in a box. Like if, if I do a chemistry major, I should still be encouraged to take electives in philosophy or electives in history. Like, I mean, explore your passions. Don't, yeah, don't think just because you, you do a humanities degree that you can only do courses in humanities. Yeah. So let's end it with, uh, with one fun final question. Uh, give me the best country you've ever traveled to. Yeah, so this is a tough one. I... I'm still in love with Italy. Really? So I went, yeah, I went as a, a kid. I did Rome, Florence, and Venice, and I would appreciate it so much more now. Uh, if I did have to pick a second, which would be a close second, I actually love Costa Rica, which I, I know you've been you've been to Costa Rica, and you, you probably speak on that as well, but... Um, it, that's just a beautiful country. The people were so friendly. It's it's small, but there's a lot of history, and it's a really exciting destination. What about yourself? Um, this is hard because I'm living between my family's in Germany. I've spent six months the last two years in Germany, and then 
a year and a half in in Austria. So those are probably Austria and Germany is probably my my second favorite country behind Canada. But in terms of this question, it's probably more of like a favorite trip kind of thing. And I would have to say uh, Indonesia. Um, <laughs> well, I we mean, go. it's I know it's so typical. Our Bali stories. I know it's so. T- well, let's not tell those. Should we dive into no, this? No. Should, we, should we spend 10 uh, minutes no, going into that? No, we, we, not, not, oh. not yet. Not yet. We'll do it maybe episode 20 or something because these are some uh, grimy stories I have. Um, but yeah, in any case, I know it's pretty typical like Southeast Asia you know, going down there to drink and party with your friends. But I mean, it it was also a completely different area of the world that I've never been before. I'd never been to Asia anywhere. Um, So seeing their culture, seeing how friendly they were, obviously uh, Bali, where we were going, was a very backpacker friendly place and all the international people you meet. Um, But also the issues that, you know, Southeast Asia faces, like a huge amount of plastic pollution and then in, in stark contrast with such beautiful um environments like i remember diving there and i saw the shark for the first time underwater there and i spent an amazing times with with troy graden and and jeremy and i became really close with shout those out. guys yeah i mean huge shout out um so yeah i'd have to say that probably but i'm yeah, that's pumped to travel europe more and and every year gets better you know in terms of traveling for me you get more mature you get to appreciate more things yeah yeah, and I mean, everyone's being patient with the situation. I do see a period very soon where we will be able to explore the world um, like we did. If, if I may, just to provide my 20-second take on Bali, uh, great, pla- great place to go. I recommend you go in a group of four individuals. Um, I will also shout out my, my crew. So in alphabetical order, to not be biased, it would go Dakota Harley Will. And that was a blast of experience. Shout out to Cafe Organic. Shout out to Pretty Poison, which was a bar that also had a skate ramp. Um, I don't skate, but I, I found it fascinating. And yeah, just it's I have very memorable experiences from just being on a tiny island in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And the people I met there have, yeah, it's been amazing. So just goes to the exploration and, and curiosity in, in the human spirit. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I got to say, we'll do more episodes of us sharing our, our, our stories and our travel stories and maybe some other personal stuff on another episode. With that, we bid you uh, farewell and we'll catch you on the next yeah. one. Good stuff. Cheers, my man. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope you gained some new insights. Tune in next week for another fresh topic. Until then, stay curious and think differently.